Timex did a survey just trying to find out how long will people wait for things. A car in front of you at a green light, 50 seconds. Now, I don't know who they polled for that, but I want to know, have any of you ever actually waited 50 seconds for a car in front of you and the light is green? I mean, come on, who does that? How about if you wait for people to stop talking at a movie? How long will you sit there while the people in front of you or or behind you are having a conversation? Timex poll said, one minute, 52 seconds. I mean, you're almost going to sit for a full two minutes. Again, who are they talking to in these? How many of you will wait for parents to quiet down a loud baby? Mm, Now we're getting personal, right? Maybe I should ask the parents, how long have people waited for you before, right? Two minutes, 41 seconds. That's the average that people said that they would wait. If you have a late coworker, three minutes, 54 seconds is how long that you are going to wait. Waiting at the doctor's office. Ooh. I know, and we do have, we have many physicians who are here, a part of our congregation, and they feel that pain too. They, they heard all that. How long will you wait before you get up and go to the nice lady or gentleman behind the desk and, and say, I'm still here? 32 minutes is the average that people say that they will wait. And have you noticed that they have this little game that they play with you? You doctors, you, you guys know this, right? There's this little game that they play where you sit in the waiting room and then they call your name and it's like the skies part and you hear, And you stand up and you begin to drag the leg that is asleep behind you as you walk to the door. And and then you you go through this magic door where you have seen other people disappear for hours. And they take you then to a room. And they put you in that room and then they say the dreaded words. The doctor will see you shortly. You didn't know that shortly was Latin for, I hope you brought your lunch, right? You didn't, you didn't know that, but that's what it, what it means. Airport security, you'll wait there 28 minutes waiting for a significant other to get ready. (laughs) Somebody said 21 minutes, but I don't think they're married anymore. I don't think they are. You'll wait in line at Starbucks for seven minutes. Seven minutes that you're going to wait in line at Starbucks for whatever it is that you have, you have asked for and that you want. You'll wait two minutes and 25 seconds for someone with a, that, with a cell phone to finally quieten it down as it's ringing and kept going over and over. And for those of you who are giving interviews, you will wait For an interview, two minutes and six seconds if someone is late. And after that, it is next up, right? Let's bring the next person in. And how long will you wait while the preacher goes through his monologue? We won't ask what that is going to, what that's going to be. But we're talking about waiting today. And we're doing it because we're looking at the life of Joseph and how that God, God is weaving in Joseph's life both good and bad. We've said it's God's ultimate masterpiece, not 
only what he did in the life of Joseph, but also what he does in our lives each and, and every day. And I wish that we could, I wish that we could go through this study and have an appreciation of the time that actually passes. I mean, we can read through the story of Joseph's life in the book of Genesis, and we can get all the way through it in about 30 minutes. And yet, for him, it took so much longer. So as you're reading, you go to chapter 37, and he's put in a dry cistern, and you just need to sit there and read that verse over and over for a couple of hours to get the feeling that perhaps Joseph had as he is sitting there, to understand the time. Recite the first verse of chapter 39 over and over again for a couple of months. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. He would have needed at least that much time to walk the 750 miles that it would take to get him to his destination. Once there, maybe a day, maybe two, maybe three days on the auction block before he finally ends up in Potiphar's house. Give another decade of time for him as he is there overseeing all the things that are going on, putting off the advances of his boss's wife. And then he's thrown in jail. He's put in prison. And he is just left there to rot. He has some friends that he makes while he's there. And we saw last week that no matter what happened all along this journey, he kept saying that the Lord was with him. And even while he was there in prison, he makes relationships. He is given status. He's able to have authority there, even in the prison setting. But with those relationships that he makes, he, he begs and he pleads and he says, listen, if, if you get out, will you say a good word to the Pharaoh for me? You see, Joseph had been interpreting the dreams of some who were in the prison, and he knew that there was at least one who was going to be released, and so he asked, please, will you say something about me? But look at this scripture that will be here on the screen. It says that Pharaoh's chief cupbearer forgot all about Joseph, and he never gave him another thought. Never gave him another thought. And that's at the very end of chapter 40. And look at the very next verse, chapter 41. Two full years later. In all this time, Joseph had been waiting. 24 months of silence. 104 weeks where he waits and waits. 730 days of wondering, is this going to be the day that they finally come and call my name and I am able to leave and I am able to have freedom? 17,520 hours of listening for God. You know, it's plenty of time to grow bitter. It's plenty of time to become angry. Plenty of time to say, you know what, this God thing is just not for me. Because apparently God isn't watching. And if he is watching, then apparently he doesn't care. And yet when word comes that finally, that there is going to be a release for Joseph. The Hebrew is being called for. Pharaoh needs some help because of dreams that he is having. 
You don't find a Joseph who is depressed. You don't find a Joseph who is upset. It's not someone who has gone crazy from all the time of waiting and never having an answer. Instead, you find a Joseph that goes before the mightiest ruler on earth and says, not me, but the ruler of the universe will set your mind at ease. What's the principle that Joseph teaches us? I think it's that while we wait, God works. While we wait, God works. Because that's the point Jesus had in John chapter 5. So you know what? My father's always working. Always working. Never twiddling his thumbs. He never stops. He, he never takes a vacation. It just goes on and on. And he's working. He's working for you. On top of God's waiting room door, it says, be still and, and know that I am God. I love to, um, I love to go back when I'm having studies like this and look at a passage from Exodus. It's in Exodus chapter 14, where the Israelites are being led by Moses out of Egypt. And they're, remember they, they are there because Joseph came centuries before. They are there because of the way that God worked in the life of Joseph and then in his brothers and, and what took place. And finally the time comes for them to leave this strange land and, and go to the land of, of promise, the land that God said, this is yours. And so they leave Egypt and you might remember from that story that Pharaoh changes his mind, decides, you know what, I don't really need to let go of this workforce. And so he he sends his army after these Egyptians, and they get to this sea that they're going to have to cross, this river crossing that comes, and they are feel, filled with dread because they're wondering, how are we going to get across? How are we going to survive? And here's what, here's what Moses tells them. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Can you imagine hearing that as an Israelite? You've got your children with you. You've got all the belongings that you're able to carry. You've got your extended family. You're thinking, we're going to get out. We're going to have this new life. And now you've seen the You've seen the punishment that has come before at the hands of Pharaoh. You know what will happen when his army gets there. And now you hear word that's trickling. It begins here in the front. And it begins to make its way all the way to the back. And you hear this whisper that's going on. And you're saying, what did he say? What did he say? What are we going to do? And the message comes to you. Be still. Literally, hold your peace. Hold your peace. Be quiet. Be still. Be still? You've got to be kidding. We've got an army that's coming. I can't be still. We've got to fight. We've got to run. We've got to bow down and say we're sorry. We've got to do something. We can't just be still. And those same feelings that had to have washed over them continue to wash over 
us. When we're waiting in the doctor's room. And we've had the test. And we think we know already what's coming. And the voice says, be still. You sit outside your child's door. You sit there because you've had a fight, an argument. And you want to be able to just rush in. You want to just throw the door open and let's just have it out and let's just get it over with right here. But you hear the voice that says, just be still. Be still. You're married, you're waiting. It seems like forever to be able to have that big announcement party. That time where everybody else has to wait. That big gender reveal moment where all of a sudden you cut the cake and it's either going to be blue or pink. You're going to open up the box and the balloons are just going to be coming out. But instead of planning any type of party, instead of sending out invitations, all you hear is be still. Hold your peace. To wait, biblically speaking, is not to assume the worst. It is not to worry. It's not to fret and make demands or take control. But waiting is also not just merely inactivity. Waiting instead is a sustained effort to stay focused on God through prayer and belief. I like the words of the psalmist in Psalm 37 and verse 7. He says, be still in the presence of the Lord. And wait patiently for him to act. You say, but I want to act. I want to be the one that accomplishes something. I want to be the one that gets the job done. I want to be the one that that takes care of things. I want to fix the situation. And some of you in here this morning, you are the biggest fixers in the world. And yet, no matter how hard you try, there are still some things that you cannot answer. There are questions you can't answer. There are things you cannot fix. There are minds that you cannot change. There are bills that you cannot take care of. You cannot fix everything. And you hear this morning the words of God, be still and wait patiently for me to act. It's a hard thing. Be still and know that I am God.
Father, help us to learn the truth. That while we wait, you work. Help the college students that are here to learn this as they are wondering what is going to happen in the the months, the years that are going to come. Help the married couple who is struggling with what to do next understand that you are working. Be with the doctors who have to have those difficult conversations with the patients and have to talk with them about changes that are taking place in their life. Remind them that you are working. Father, remind our church. Remind our church how that you work in the midst of our waiting and wondering what impact we'll have in this community. Each and everyone here has their own prison. Each and everyone here has their own two years. Each and everyone here has that time where it just seems like we wait and we wait for an answer. May we hear you speak to us, be still. Be still. And may we worship you in the waiting. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. I want you to see one more scripture as we close things up this morning. It's from Exodus chapter 34. How would you do if you'd received this command from God? Three times each year, every man in Israel must appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. I will drive out the other nations ahead of you and expand your territory. So no one will covet and conquer your land while you appear before the Lord your God three times each year. That's three times each year that all work stopped so that the men of Israel would go and gather for worship. Three times each year that all commerce, all education, all government, all industry just came to a halt while the people assembled. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if our nation said, next week on Sunday, everybody is going to stop what they are doing. No one is going to work. No one is going to worry about anything related to any kind of job or responsibility. All you are to do is to come and to bow before God. He will not allow anyone to conquer your land. He will not allow anyone to take your territory. All will be well. All you have to do is worship. So that just sounds too good to be true. But I think God was using this pilgrimage to teach a principle. When you worship in the waiting, God works for you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. There are some of you who worried about coming here today because you were concerned about the work that you were not going to be able to do. And there have been times where you have skipped out on prayer, you have skipped out on Bible reading, you have skipped out on opportunities where you could bend your knee before the Father because of all the responsibilities that you think you had. 
You had a test that was coming. You had a project that was due. You had all of these things, these responsibilities. And you're a responsible person. And your family depends on you. And your job depends on you. And everybody else, everything depends on you. Will you learn how to worship in the waiting? You see, the main thing that we have to learn is trust. Trust. Believing that God is present with us. Believing that whatever is of our concern is also his concern. That he understands where we are, he sees where we are, and he is still working in the midst of our situation, even when it doesn't seem like it. Daniel once prayed for 21 days. He abstained from food, he abstained from drink, he labored and he prayed and he persisted and he persisted and on the 21st day he received a response and it was a strange response. The response comes from a messenger of God saying, your prayer was heard the very first day but I was held up being able to come to you and to let you know that your prayer has been answered because of this spiritual evil that's taking place that you can't see. What would have happened if Daniel had stopped praying? Or maybe let's just make it more personal. What has already happened in your life because you stopped? You've given up on your faith. You've walked away perhaps from God. You prayed and you said he's just not going to answer. You prayed and said nothing changes. You worshiped and it seemed like all heaven closed its ears to you. And I can remind you of a passage from the book of Isaiah, that those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. Nobody likes to wait. We're all in a hurry, but perhaps at least for today, you can be still and know that there is a God, not just in heaven, but in your life as well. We're going to sing and encourage one another. And maybe as a family, maybe as an individual, you need to come and say, I need to slow down in my life, and I need to be able to understand the presence of God as I wait. Or maybe you'd like to come this morning and be baptized into Christ. We will wait while you get changed, and then we will celebrate as you confess Jesus' name and are put under the water and brought back up to a new life. Whatever your need is, we encourage you to come while we stand and praise God.